Welcome to Hi, My Name is Mom. By now you've heard Corey's amazing birth story and gotten to see plenty of pictures of her beautiful baby girl. Kayla and I have both met little Teddy Quinn and we feel blessed like aunties. Is that the right way? Is that how you'd say blessed. that, aunties? No, it sounds like you said blessed. <laughs> we are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms. All at the same time and never in the same order. <laughs> this is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. So what we've all proven with motherhood time and again is that falling in love at first sight with your new baby is really a thing. But what about falling in love with a stranger at first sight? Could you do it? Our guest this week is Danielle Dodd from Season 7 of Married at First Sight on Lifetime. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you? I'm <laughs> so glad to meet you. I'm Kayla, I'm by the Kayla. way. <laughs> so I just, I realized, Danielle, I feel like I know you. We have a, a lot of mutual friends. But Danielle and I legitimately do not know each other. She, I know her okay. through reality TV. I know all it. the same kinetic people, but yeah, I don't. We've never met. I met Jen through a show that she was pitching for me. That's right. That's HGTV. how we met. I always That's forget that. We talk about that a lot, but it doesn't stay in my head because it Because we're so... such close friends. I feel like our work life together just seems like it never happened. <laughs> That's pretty true. But yeah, I do say Danielle and I haven't met because uh, Kayla and I were just sort of talking. About she purposefully did not watch any of Married at First Sight. I don't know how she's like lived this long without seeing. <laughs> I've like, I purposefully didn't do any research on you, Danielle, because I want, I want to be a first time listener. Okay. Um, and so me, I literally, I'm just checking out your Instagram for the first time because I'm really excited. Um, so, <laughs> so I may have a few more questions, but your family is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. So last week we talked a lot about Corey having a new baby and how moms kind of fall in love at first sight with their newborns. Mm -hmm. you know, so we all know that we're capable of that, right? But you have a totally different experience in terms of falling in love at first sight, not only with your own babies, but with your husband. Yeah. So for Miss Kayla here, who's a married at first sight virgin, can you tell her <laughs> a little bit about your story and how you met your husband, Bobby, and all of that amazingness? Well, um, I mean, we literally met at the altar. I mean, it was definitely a crazy experience experience somebody had approached me and asked me if I was single if I was open to commitment and I was like sure I mean I yeah I mean like that's the whole point of dating you know you're I'm out in the Dallas area dating like of course I'm looking for some kind of commitment and they're like well would you ever be interested in like getting married at first sight and I was like heck no that is crazy I'm not interested thank you but no thank you and my girlfriends were like I don't think it's that crazy like why you should just like you know just find out a little bit more, you know, see what the the whole thing is about. And then they're the ones that actually talked me into putting in an application. So I did. And, you know, we get down to the day, it was like, you know, it's a crazy couple weeks while you're going through the interview process. And, you know, you never think you're the person that's going to be picked and then you and then I I am picked and all of a sudden in like 10 days, um, I'm getting married. So um, we get there and I do the whole like wedding morning where you get ready with your girlfriends. My mom flies in from Seattle and it's like a, 
an awesome morning and they all met him before I did because, you know, they're all in the seating um, waiting for me to walk down the aisle and he's up there, I'm sure sweating, <laughs> like wait, trying to like figure out what's going to come down the aisle. But that was the first time we had ever met was literally when I walked down the aisle to get married. You have to imagine that that moment for the groom as he's like looking at your family and your friends, he's like, oh, score. I got a good one. I know I do. Fingers yeah. crossed. We definitely talked about that because it's like, he's like, you know, I was like checking out your mom, seeing what she looked like. Cause you know, what if you look like your mom and you know, you have pretty friends and it's just, he was up there for a lot. They left him up there sweating for like 45 yeah. minutes. And that would be like, the goal. I was freaking out. Yeah. <sighs> oh my gosh. I can imagine that you were freaking out. Let me start by saying for our listeners, if you have never seen an episode of Married at First Sight, you have to pause this podcast, like write the freak now and watch an episode. It is the best, most salacious reality TV out there. And the best part for me is as a longtime Bachelor fan, this show actually seems to work. You, I mean, you guys, all the alums, there seems to be a really good success rate with the couples. It seems to be growing. So wait, were you guys able to talk before no. The wedding, like no, no communication, nothing. No, like we literally said, hi, nice to meet you when I got to the altar. <laughs> Did you have a name or anything? No, nothing. They're not telling okay. anything. They don't want, they don't want them to be able to like, you know, stalk their socials or, and yeah, because I totally would have. Yeah. And there oh was my gosh. a reason recently that that happened because wasn't it with maybe New Orleans? It was the last season. Yeah. Yeah. She accidentally like found out the name it looks like and she was like creeping through social media and then you just get that like preconceived like they're my type or they're not my type and it kind of ruins the whole experience she actually wound up being wrong if I remember correctly she yeah thought he wasn't her type and they're still together happily married right yeah. yeah yeah so it's possible to fall in love not based on sexual attraction. We're not saying you weren't attracted when you saw him, but just like, okay, I'm married. Like you don't have time to get all of that going. It's like the modern day arranged marriage, right? And Danielle, I mean, yeah. I know you can speak to this. Tell, tell Kayla a little bit about the process in terms of how deep they go in, and how, like in figuring out your potential soulmate. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Um, I went through, I've lost count. I mean, there, there's like the initial interview where you meet with somebody, um, like through zoom and they, they do like just an initial questionnaire. And if you pass that, then you go to like a big group event where, you know, the experts are there and they're kind of talking about like what the experience is and, um, they chat with you and kind of get a feel for who might be a good fit. And then you go on and there's like, you have to do psych evaluations, you have to go to the doctor and get like, like a doctor's note basically saying that you're like a healthy individual. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you have to go through so many questionnaires, so many meetings with the experts just for them trying to figure out who you are and what you want out of your potential partner. So a professional matchmaker is essentially M multiple. Fixing yeah. You up. yeah. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. I thought it was like, <laughs> just two strangers signing oh, up for a no. show meeting at the altar no 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 no, no. there's a lot that goes on goes in so that's kind of awesome and like kudos to those matchmakers who are like genuinely trying to find soulmates 
Yeah. And they've done a really good, I mean, obviously you're not going to get a hundred percent success rate, but, um, they have done a great job. Okay. And since you're happily married with kids, I can ask this question. Were you pleasantly surprised when you saw him? Yes. And it (laughs) definitely like, I think the best way to go into that situation, no matter what is having no expectations, because I I never wanted like my first initial emotion to be any kind of disappointment. So I just, I really didn't think about it much till I got there. Yeah, and I was you, like, oh, that's amazing. Okay, you're the person. You guys seem to be like such a perfect match. So it's really nice to see something like that work. We all know reality TV is television, right? And there's a yeah. lot of scripted moments and there's a lot of stuff yeah. that is, you know, done very purposefully for ratings and water cooler gabbing. And, you know, I, I love to see a show that's truly set out, at least it's in, at its inception, to try and help people. Now, Married at First Sight Australia, I will give you is a very different show, which is a totally... Yeah, that seems like a totally different ball game than, yeah. than what we've got going on over here. Completely. So, okay, you guys live in the Dallas area. We and did. How long were you married before you had your first baby? We actually had her a month before our one year anniversary. Aww. So not long. <laughs> That's like me and my husband with our first. It was pretty quick. And you've talked a lot about this publicly, but you had a really intense pregnancy and delivery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, <laughs> to say it the was least. definitely intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, I thought you just got pregnant and that was a beautiful experience <laughs> and mine was anything, but it was a very long pregnancy. That's for sure. Well, they tell you on social media that your pregnancy life, your wardrobe, everything is supposed to be perfect and you're supposed to be glowing and it's supposed to be wonderful. And, you know, very, very infrequently do people really share how hard and isolating motherhood is. And I think that's that's partly why we started this podcast is because the three of us are very open about the things that we feel like have been, um, you know, the good. Nobody talks about the hard stuff and. I found that to be very frustrating because it's like, well, nobody told me, you know, nobody, nobody talks about the hard stuff. And so I feel like I've tried to be very real on my social media. I don't feel ashamed to say I hated being pregnant. I knew going into my next pregnancy that I was going to hate it. I didn't hate it quite as much, but it's just not an enjoyable experience for me. I I definitely prefer not being pregnant. (laughs) So, like sure. talking about the hard stuff, um, Danielle, I don't know your story. What <laughs> what was so difficult with your first pregnancy, if you don't mind? Um, with my first pregnancy, it really, I mean, the, I, it was a very healthy pregnancy. Um, I didn't have any issues other than I was chronically just ill. Um, I think I probably threw up every single day until... Um, I mean, literally, as she was being born, I was still, I was like vomiting on the table. So that's really similar to mine. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so much more common than I thought that it would be like, there's a lot of people that are sick their entire pregnancy. It's not just, you know, the first 12 weeks, like they say. Yeah. You and Kate Middleton, right? She was a big, um, yeah, she had hypermesis. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to get IVs to like stay hydrated. It was, it was, I never was hospitalized. I never got. Um, any kind of diagnosis. I was just miserable. (laughs) It's common. Hypermesis. 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 Yeah. Okay. So I did say it right. (laughs) Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. 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 
that the same thing as HELP syndrome? No. So HELP syndrome is really diagnosed right before delivery. So it's more of an emergency situation. I got very lucky in the fact that I made it full term. I was 39 weeks when I was diagnosed. But the the only way to cure is delivery. So um, once I as soon as I was diagnosed, I was rushed into delivery room to start that that whole process. So how many um, weeks were you at that point? I was 39 weeks, so I was very lucky to have made it that far. A lot of people are not so lucky and get diagnosed very early on and unfortunately lose their baby. So I feel very lucky in that aspect. And then I ended up having it a second time. It is very similar. So it's in the same family as preeclampsia. It's a a more severe form of that. So a lot of the same types of um, situations. I was never diagnosed with preeclampsia. I never had any kind of blood pressure issues or... um, Protein in your urine is something that they look for through pregnancy. I never had any of those things at all. And I was actually at the doctor that morning for my 39-week checkup. Same thing. I I had had higher blood pressure, which was abnormal for me, but it wasn't like any kind of concerning level at that point. Fortunately, you were healthy enough. uh, Baby was healthy enough at 39 weeks to go into delivery. What was your birth story like? I, again, got very lucky. I was able to um, avoid a C-section and I had already begun dilating. So they went ahead and just started the Pitocin and we kind of waited to see what that would look like. But it was... um, It was a little scary because my blood pressure was so high at that point. They have to put you on something called magnesium sulfate, and it makes you very, um, like, sick. But it keeps your blood pressure from going too high um, in hopes that you can avoid having a stroke. So... It, it is good in its purpose, but it made the experience miserable. I don't remember a lot of my experience um, because it just, it wipes your memory. You're, you're sick the entire time. Um, part of HELP syndrome is your um, blood stops clotting. So I was bleeding in a lot of places that I wasn't supposed to be bleeding in. And so that was a huge concern. And I got very lucky with the emergency doctor on call because she was trying very hard to avoid a C-section because in that case, you lose even more blood than you would a, a vaginal delivery. So that was a goal. Um, and luckily, Olivia just progressed right along and I was able to deliver within 12 hours of being diagnosed. I love that you just shared that because my best friend actually just went through the exact same thing. And because, like, and she ended up being in the hospital for a week afterwards. Yeah. Um, on the magnesium they couldn't keep her blood pressure down but she was so foggy i she couldn't really explain um the whole process and so you just you know clarifying that like helps a lot because i think a lot of people go through it and it is very traumatic but you've had a little bit of time to process it so you can clarify it very easily like when you talk about it because it doesn't still feel as traumatic as it does to someone who just went through it definitely it's just it it was definitely you know I don't there's probably it's probably a blessing in disguise because there's probably a lot of things that I wouldn't have wanted to remember anyways but it's not great to not be able to remember those first you know that first day or two days or three days with your baby I wasn't able to even get out of bed um so Bobby was the like I never even changed a diaper until we came home from the hospital because I literally couldn't leave my bed so he had to learn how to do all that stuff on the fly he was the one that swaddled her I had no idea how to do it like all the things that you learn in those first couple days um I didn't get to so that was that was a huge bummer but I do feel very happy that you know we're that is kind of over lining in a sense right I mean you know my 
my husband actually is a um a parenting blogger and parenting author. He's written a bunch of oh, like cool. best, yeah, he's written a bunch of like best-selling fatherhood books and and things like that. So we both really appreciate it when guys are real active anyway. So maybe the silver lining in it is that he just got those that time to bond and and really yeah. learn, like the dad of it all, you know. What speaking of though, what was his POV about you and what was going on like looking back when he talks about it? How does he sort of categorize what happened? I think it's probably an even less of an enjoyable experience for him because he remembers it all. He was like fully coherent for the entire thing. Um and so he he almost had it rougher than I did. He was the one that had to call my parents and say, like, we don't know if they're going to make it. Um, you know, he had to do a lot of, I guess, the dirty work where I was just, I was going through it, but I, I really didn't know how serious it was until after everything was over. Oh, that sounds brutal. It's, it, it does. I, I just, I'm so sorry you went through that. You know, it, it's just part of life. And I'm luckily everyone made it out very healthy. It, I ended up getting help syndrome again with my second delivery, but we caught it so early that it was actually a very enjoyable experience. So oh there is always oh that possibility as well. Part of my story is we've had several miscarriages before oh no. we had a successful full-term pregnancy, um, but I had a lot of fear going into my pregnancy with Loxley because of all my previous losses. So going into your second pregnancy, did you have fears because of your traumatic experience from the first one? Yes, we both did. I mean, Bobby definitely was really hesitant about having any more kids at all. You know, at the very beginning, he was like, we're done. We're not going through this again. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, it makes things a little bit easier. And so he was very much more open to the idea. But yeah, it was definitely something that I didn't think I would be so freaked out about until, you know, you started progressing closer and closer to my third trimester, which is when they would have expected it to happen. Every little thing that went wrong, I was like, Oh, my gosh, this is it. I'm gonna have to go to the hospital. We're gonna go through this again. I mean, any little ache or pain or anything I thought might have been a symptom was a huge stressor for me, which I, I didn't think I was gonna react that way. But I definitely, you know, it's hard to hard to not. Yeah, it's almost like PTSD. Definitely. Oh, my word. Well, so what was that process like deciding to have another baby was I mean, dare I say was it was it planned? Did you did you both just decide we're okay, we're comfortable taking the risk and we're just going to do it one more time? Had you talked about that and sort of in broad you know, terms? I had really kept the door open for a third. And we had kind of just said, um, you know, let's see how this pregnancy goes. Let's see how this delivery goes. And if everything's okay, then, you know, maybe we can talk about having a third baby, but it was, it, you know, it was, Bobby was the one that it took longer for him to come around than it did me. I knew that if we were going to have kids, I wanted them close in age. And it was just kind of like, let's do it. I had had multiple meetings with my OBGYN about like what the process would be. And she was just like, look, there's nothing you can do to prevent it. We're fully supportive of you having more kids if you want to. All we're going to do is, you know, you're just going to be here a lot more often. So there's a lot more monitoring um, involved. So the hope would be that we would catch it much earlier because the reason why it was so severe with me, um, one, it came on very fast, but I waited a long time before I went to the hospital thinking that it was just a normal part of pregnancy, um, what I was feeling. And when, when I went in, I realized, Hey, that's, that's not normal, but you don't know when you're, it's your first pregnancy. You have no idea what's normal, especially at the end, you know, you're so miserable and everything hurts and the acid reflux and all the things that you go through. It's awful anyways. So, 
Um, I've definitely learned a lot. It's so inspiring to kind of, I don't know, hear another mom and know that you're not alone when you have traumatic experiences. Um, I had a difficult pregnancy that followed multiple losses and we definitely want more kids and coming to that like conclusion of how that's going to happen, if it's going to happen, when it's going to yeah. happen. I can relate to you a lot where, you know, I want my kids to be close in age. That's really important to me. Yeah. Um, but it's so scary and it doesn't get talked about when you do have these traumatic experiences because all people see is like your Instagram life where you have these happy beautiful kids and they're just like, oh, like when's the next one coming? When's the next one's coming? And they know. don't know the scary process that that goes into getting those beautiful like Instagram pictures. <laughs> that was such a huge frustration. And I, I certainly didn't go through what you did. You know, I've, um, I've, I've never experienced a loss in that way. And so I, I can only imagine the emotions that go into that. Um, I know after my delivery, I was really frustrated with people being like, I'm so glad every, the delivery went well and everybody was healthy. And I'm like, well, wait a second. It didn't go well. Like it was awful. And the experience was like, uh, for me, Don't I had a really hard that, time, basically. Yeah, I had a really hard time yeah. with that. And, you know, people didn't know. And, you know, it's awkward for people to be like, Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry about your awful delivery. Um, you know, it's just kind of awkward anyways, to bring up and it's like, how do you let somebody know you didn't have a great experience, or it was harder than what they're making it out to be? And or that was tough you me. almost feel like if you complain or not, not even complain, but if you talk about it and say, Hey, this wasn't okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I had a terrible experience. They yeah. take it as complaining versus of just sharing your experience. Exactly. And exactly. It, it is really hard to kind of what we touched on a little bit ago with like PT. It is like, it really is like PTSD because when you've had a miscarriage or a loss or a really traumatic time in your pregnancy, the point in any future pregnancy where you hit that milestone of, of number of weeks or, you know, number yeah. of weeks, whatever it is, is, is really hard. It is like you're reliving that all over again. So I can only imagine getting to the end of your second pregnancy, how that had to feel. I will say um, before, because I want to touch on uh, having a baby during a pandemic, but for me, because I had a rough pregnancy and, and I continue to have a rough time knowing kind of where my future is with having another mm -hmm. kid, I get really sensitive and Jen knows this when people actually complain about like teeny, teeny things. And not that I want to discredit them or uh, devalue like their experience in any way. But sometimes when you go, when you're just more grateful um, yeah. because you've gone through a hard process, are you sensitive at all to those little complaints that seem so minuscule? Um, not so, no, because I probably have a lot of very minuscule complaints myself. You know, I complained a, a lot during though, my pregnancy. There is a difference, though, about complaining about your pregnancy and about the hard times of motherhood because they're every hour yeah. of every day and complaining about your kids, which may be what you're saying, Kayla. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, Jen, that's a really good clarification because I am all for just sharing your experiences. I hate the word complain. Um, I, 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 that, that's a trigger word for me, and I hate the word triggered. Um, because I feel like it's a difference between just venting about your experience or just talking about it in a healthy way so that you can yeah. acknowledge things that happened and you can like kind of speak life into these situations so that they are valid to you. And then just the opposite of turning around and 
complaining about your kids or complaining about responsibilities that you signed up for. So I will say that, Jen, that yeah. is a, a well, good clarification. There's productive complaining and then there's just complaining Absolutely. to complain. And that I think yeah. is where the line um, is usually drawn for me because yeah. I, I do feel the same way in that aspect. Yeah, because there's situations that might not be big to some people, but they're big to other people because we all, you know, yeah, we all experience things with the tools that we have in our toolbox, you know, and so it's going to feel different to everybody. The so. trauma, it's like the battle scars almost mm -hmm. give you pause in the moment. Sometimes when it's a little bit harder, when you come, when you come up on those completely yeah. unavoidable mom stresses and situations where you just want to like scream and like go run and hide in the bathroom with a Snickers ice cream bar. Those happen <laughs> all the time. Right. But the trauma yeah. and loss that, that some of us have gone through in, in our motherhood journeys definitely does help you sometimes keep it in perspective. I look at battle scars as just, I don't know. They're like notches on my belt just to keep me so freaking grateful. Um, for you know everything we do have and i think danielle your story is beautiful like just going through trauma like being marrying at first sight like <laughs> on such a huge platform um to having a, a baby during a pandemic tell us what that was like because your story is just so so colorful i'm not from here i'm from seattle so i moved to to texas all by myself and i didn't know anybody um, and so I got really used to spending time by myself. So the pandemic has actually been kind of, I've, I've enjoyed more aspects than, of being alone than other people have. I know people had a hard time with like their husband not being able to come to baby's appointments and things like that. Well, we filmed through everything. Um, all so the things that Bobby that exactly. would- yeah, everything Bobby would have missed was caught on camera. Like all my doctor's appointments were filmed, um, ultrasounds, things like that. And so we got lucky in that aspect because even though he wasn't allowed to go he still got to to experience in some aspect when the pandemic first hit a lot of production stopped for normal episodes and so a lot of networks were looking for um episodes to to fill that space i guess um and so they had basically just sent us these little cameras and said like film what life is like during a pandemic and we did and we're still filming so um it's just continued to snowball from there but it's been fun to Kayla you need to, to watch that, that for sure it's it's, uh, on, it's on lifetime it's called married at first sight couples cam and it follows the success stories of married at first sight so you get to sort of have the epilogue to the show you know in its own show and they're doing but you need to watch the actual thing. series first because that would ruin who's still together absolutely okay so can i watch it on any of those i'm pretty sure you can buy it on amazon because i think i Perfect. missed an episode once and had to buy it mm -hmm. on prime and you definitely can on Hulu because that's how we watch it. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, I have a Hulu Plus. I think it's really commendable how both you and Jamie Otis specifically have used your platforms in a way to help moms understand what real mom life is. Yeah. And and that's just to be applauded because so many, so many times you see the Instagram side of life, you know, you're seeing the sort of like glass half full, everything shiny and pretty and glittery. No offense on the glitter, Kayla. <laughs> but, but I love that you guys have been really open and real about your experiences. And I think that you're helping a lot of moms out there. Well, it's just so funny how it evolves because I remember when I first started getting I was I was the person that would have never posted 
a photo of myself in a million years without makeup on. Right. And now it's like, I'm not going to waste my makeup just to get on my Instagram stories. Definitely having a baby, I feel like is, is what put that into perspective for me where I was like, I don't care that other people care. I feel that 170%. <laughs> Danielle, thank you for sharing your story um, and just being so open with everything. Um, married at first sight. Now we're friends at, well, I can't see Friends her. at first sight. Except, friends yeah, you're at, not seeing her. Yeah. <laughs> we're friends, Danielle. We're friends. Soon, Soon we'll be friends at first sight. You know sight. what? We should do a live IG hang with you sometime. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I haven't done one of those. You know, the other thing we haven't done is a clubhouse, a live clubhouse. Oh, that'd be fun. Are you on Clubhouse, Danielle? I'm not. It's an invite-only thing, but it's it's like nonstop okay. pod, live podcast. People just like start a room about a topic, and they just talk, you know, for however long, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, uh -huh. 30 minutes. It's cool. It's like live radio. That's really yeah, fun. You can join any of the topics that are interesting to you, um, you know, and, and whether cool. it's like fashion or parenting or food or travel or, you know, things to do without my kids or things to do with my kids or places to hide my kids so that I can do stuff by myself, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, oh my gosh. there's a panel. So it's, it's it. fun. Yeah. Okay, guys. So the next few weeks, we are going to be highlighting some amazing moms. We have Shalene Bryan, um, who has awesome inspiring story she talks about mom shaming what it's like to be an empty nester what it's like to be a mother-in-law which we never talk about the mother-in-laws so we cannot wait for you guys to meet her we also have our dear friend tj jenkins coming back to say hello um radio host of 106.5 the arch but she also has a crazy birth story and we're curious if her family really is complete so make sure to subscribe to hi my name is mom official like us rate us uh Leave us a comment and just, or just DM us, slide into those DMs and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye guys. Bye Danielle. Bye. Bye. Your name is mom.